Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In both the Old and New Testament, the Bible points to a coming day. It's often referred to as the day of the Lord or the coming day of the wrath of the Lord. It's a day that will be like no other as it will usher in God's wrath upon the fallen and rebellious earth. When is this day and what effect will it have on us? We will look more closely at the day of the Lord and how God will preserve his people in that day on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Ron Kangas is joining us as we're considering Revelation chapter 7. And I think, Ron, we're going to grow to treasure this chapter before our program is over. Welcome back. Glad to be back, Chris. Ron, we want to see that chapter 7 is a chapter that is inserted in the divine record between the opening of the sixth and seventh seals. We saw earlier, these seven seals really contain the whole of the unveiling of the mysteries of God's universe and his divine economy. So it'd be good to keep our view of chapter 7 in this context, I think. Maybe you could review for us briefly what we saw with the fifth and sixth seals. When the fifth seal is opened, what we have before us is the prayers of the martyred saints who are now in paradise, signified by under the altar, under the earth. These are the faithful ones. They paid the ultimate price to testify to the Lord and to his word. They were most unrighteously and grievously treated, even put to death. And when this seal is opened, we realize they're offering, corporately, a prayer. How long, O Lord, how long will you wait before you avenge our blood? They are praying for the Lord's intervention through righteous judgment on this rebellious earth and on those that are opposing God and his people. This is a very particular kind of prayer. It's released only when the situation reaches the point of being intolerable. So they cried out to the Lord to act, to avenge them. Then the sixth seal is actually a response to the prayers of the martyrs. And the sixth seal marks the beginning of a particular kind of calamity, including earthquakes, wars. When I say a particular kind of calamity, I'm referring to something other than what has taken place throughout history. When the sixth seal is opened, supernatural calamities begin. 
things will happen of such an intensity, it will become apparent. These are supernatural calamities expressing God's righteous judgment on the earth. In principle, natural calamities are God's word of warning and God's action of judgment. Such events are calls to repentance. But the sixth seal with its opening points to a new era in which there will be supernatural cataclysms that the earth has never seen. So that's the sixth seal with the opening of the seventh seal that will mark the preliminary events and then the great tribulation itself when these horrendous events will be taking place. Significantly, the Lord directed John to place chapter 7 as an insertion between the sixth seal and the seventh seal. And this insertion is enlightening, it's supplying, it's comforting, it's encouraging, and is worthy of our very close and careful attention. And this chapter 7 is inserted when God gives his provision for his people and how he will preserve them. And we're going to see that these people will fall into a couple of categories. So why don't we get to it? Here's Witness Lee with our first portion. If you read the New Testament prophecy carefully, plus the Old Testament prophecies, you could see there will be a time which will be called the Day of the Lord. That is the Great Tribulation. Several prophets did mention the day of the Lord. They all express that day of the Lord will be terrible. But you have to realize the sixth seal will be before the day of the Lord. You may ask me when the great tribulation will start. Exactly from the fifth trumpet. Even the first four trumpets are still not the great tribulation yet. Strictly speaking. Not the great tribulation, but the start. But just the start is sufficient for human beings to suffer. Damage of the earth will be bigger than the sick seal. And that damage of the sea, the river, and the damage of all the heavenly hosts will be more serious than what happens in the sick seal. From the sixth seal, I tell you, nothing will be good on this earth. And this is why the New Testament does indicate that the first order overcomers, such as the mantle and first foods, all will be taken away from this earth. They will be taken away from this earth when, by studying the New Testament carefully, we can say that will be just about before the sixth seal. We cannot figure out the exact year, mint, and day. But according to the study of the book of Revelation, plus Matthew and so forth, we can say the first kind of rapture, the raptures of the mantle and the first food will be before the uh, sixth seal. 
And this is the Lord's promise to overcomers in Philadelphia, to keep them out of the hour of the trail, which will come upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Ron, as we were speaking before, chapter 7 is inserted between the 6th and 7th seals. And there are a number of major events that are associated with this time frame. We've already talked a little bit about the day of the Lord's wrath, the great tribulation. And now, as is referred to here, the rapture of the saints. Without going into a lot of detail, could you say something about how these events are related to the opening of the seventh seal and then how God intends to preserve his chosen ones. Uh, You specifically pointed me in the direction of rapture. And by rapture, for those who may not be familiar with our understanding of the term or the common understanding, is that the believers on earth are just taken alive directly into the presence of the Lord. And we know and are familiar with the fact there are various interpretations of rapture, when it will be, things like that. But there is a principle established in the Bible and illustrated in a later chapter of Revelation chapter 14. And that is the rapture is actually the reaping of a mature and ripe crop. When the Lord came in his earthly ministry, he sowed the seed of the kingdom. That seed is growing to some extent in the believers, and those who will be the victorious believers, it will grow to maturity. And only those who are mature and ripe will be raptured just before the beginning of the great tribulation. It is incorrect to claim that we teach a partial rapture, as if only some of the believers are raptured and the remainder are not. It's more accurate to say we follow the scriptures to teach a sequential rapture. Illustration, Revelation 14. The first fruits are mature and ripe, so they are harvested first. That's the rapture of the overcomers just before the great tribulation breaks out. That same chapter, Revelation 14, speaks of the harvest of the entire crop. That will be the rapture of the majority of believers who needed more time on the earth to mature and ripen. It is not accurate to teach that all believers, simply because they're believers, will be raptured before the Great Tribulation, no matter how they live, whether they love the world or not, whether they're living in sin or not, they will be raptured. That is an inaccurate teaching. Only the mature, ripe overcomers will be raptured then. It's also an error to teach that no one will be raptured until the end of the Great Tribulation, because this denies the rapture of the first fruits. The way the Lord cares for his people who are suffering persecution on earth is by rapture. That's the way he takes care of his believers. The way he cares for the people of Israel 
this earthly people that is different, and I hope we will also become clear concerning that. In the last two sections today, we want to get into the matter of the preservation more of God's people. Let's look at um, the verses at the beginning of chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, so that no wind would blow upon the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom authority was given to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we seal the slaves of our God upon their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, a hundred and forty-four thousand, sealed out of every tribe of the sons of Israel. Well, Ron, that's a very specific promise to a very specific group of people. That's what we're going to look at. Here's Witness Lee. Here you have, in chapter 7, an insertion to show you before the great tribulation will come, God would do two things to preserve his two peoples. Number one, to seal the children Israel. I love Israel. But sorry to say, I all the time feel very regretful for them. Because according to the prophecy, and according to the real situation, now they return their father's land, unbelieving. They have a kind of faith in God, traditionally, which is a kind of what? Which is a kind of a rebellion against God. You know, God, up to the time the Lord Jesus came, has changed his dispensation from keeping the law to believing in the Lord Jesus. The Jews would not obey to this change of God's dispensation. They would not turn from keeping the law to the believing in the Lord Jesus. And this was a rebellion, a kind of a stubbornness, a kind of disobedience. But listen to this, God is sovereign. God will be always taking care of this nation. Not for them, but for God's economy. Before all this will happen, he knows that among the so-called unbelieving Jews, there will still be some faithful ones. Of every tribe, 12,000 will be sealed. Altogether, 144,000 of the faithful Israelites will be sealed by God on their forehead. The human beings would not know, but all the damaging angels know that mark. When the angels will be sent to damage the earth, the sea, the river, and the heavenly hosts in the first four trumpets, they all can recognize the marks sealed on the forehead of the 144,000 Israelites. And this will be the way that God will preserve his children Israel. 
Ron, I, I think a lot of people wonder about the outcome of the Israelites in God's ultimate wrapping up of the situation on earth. Of course, we know they were his Old Testament people. But then, as we saw in Romans, Paul says that God essentially broke off the branch that represented Israel and set it aside. And I think this is the dilemma for many people. They were broken off, but God had made covenantal promises to them, hadn't he? That that is for sure. And our God is a covenanting God, and he is always faithful to his covenant. Romans 11 concerning this is quite a deep uh, chapter, but I think it's sufficient for us to focus on the principle that God called out the people of Israel to be his testimony to the whole earth so all the Gentiles, all the nations could be blessed. The vast majority of them degraded and rejected Christ when he came. So we have the setting aside of them and the grafting in of the New Testament believers. But there will be a recovery of at least a remnant of the people of Israel. This is prophesied in Zechariah 12. When the Lord comes, the remaining people of Israel will look at him whom they have pierced, mourn for him as the firstborn son. So the Lord will be faithful to his covenant, and one indicator of his faithfulness is seen in Revelation 7, in the Lord's marking out a certain number from all the tribes of Israel in order to preserve them throughout the Great Tribulation. It will be an unspeakably horrible situation for Israel. But at the very end, the faithful ones will cry out, Lord, rend the heavens and come down, and the Lord will come and they will see him. The ones who will pray like this, we believe, are those who will be marked out as described in Revelation 7. The nation will go through this dreadful tribulation. So many will be martyred, but a number will be preserved, marked out by God, the faithful, covenanting God. Well, Ron, the Christians will be preserved differently than the Jews at the time of the Lord's coming. Let's jump ahead to verse 9 now in chapter 7. After these things, I saw, and behold, there was a great multitude which no one could number, out of every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. Verse 14, And he said to me, These are those who come out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Because of this, they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits upon the throne will tabernacle over them. Here's another promise, Ron, clearly to another group. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The way for God to preserve the children of Israel is to seal them and still leave them on the earth. The way God preserving his redeemed saints is not to keep them on this earth, but to take them away by rapture. In the text, 
we are told that all these people of the great multitude are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. Here, the great tribulation is different from the great tribulation mentioned in Matthew 24. Here, the great tribulation is in a general sense. You know, all God's redeemed people have passed certain kind of tribulations, certain kind of sufferings, certain kind of persecutions, certain kind of afflictions. No Christian has never suffered anything. In our spirit, we Christians are the enjoying people. On the physical side, we Christians are the suffering people. So, eventually, when we get there, the declaration will be what? We all come out of the tribulation. The church is a great multitude of people who came out of the tribulation. Into what? Into a heavenly state. In the temple of God. Not only serving, worshiping Him, but also enjoying Him. God Himself will spread over all of us as a tabernacle and we will enjoy Him to the uttermost. There is a term. The term of maturity. If you are still tender, not ripe, uh -huh, God would not take you away. God would still leave you in the field to suffer something until you get right. Maturity is the condition, the term of our being taken away by God from this earth. This is fully, adequately, and thoroughly revealed in this book. In chapter 14, you will see the first fruits and the harvest. And in that section of the word, it says clearly, the field is ripe. The harvest comes. So, we all need to grow. Well, Ron, we saw this idea uh, developed quite extensively in the life study of Matthew. And uh, it was referred to earlier in Revelation when we came to the church in Philadelphia. But I think it's the first time we've heard him use it couched in quite this way. This is the term or the condition of the preservation. Let's talk about this. It's a, it's a big topic. Well, the condition of the preservation is with these two parties. With the people of Israel, they will obey the command. They will not worship the beast. They will not worship his image. They will be faithful to the God they know. And it's their being marked out that will enable them in the midst of such incredible suffering to endure. They will be preserved. But the emphasis really in chapter 7 is with the multitude clothed in white garments bearing palm branches before the throne. These are the believers who have suffered throughout the ages the tribulation here is not the great tribulation. It's the totality of all tribulations. And the condition for being preserved for rapture is that we grow in life to maturity. We have the illustration of a crop growing and ripening. 
If we are to be preserved by rapture, we need to meet the conditions for being raptured. And those conditions are maturity in life, as defined by God's Word, and readiness, which is the ripeness. So this is the responsibility on our side and the condition for us being preserved. If believers at the start of the tribulation, the great tribulation, are neither mature nor ripe, they will be left on the earth until they fulfill the conditions of being raptured later when they finally will be mature and ripe. Well, Ron, I think it's uh, fair to assume that we believers, uh, all Christians, will try to hold off persecution as much as we can. But it's there. It's in the world. We know it's there, and we know it's coming. Nonetheless, I think we all realize as believers that it's part of the price that God expects from us if we are those that are really faithful in following our Lord. A big topic. I'm looking forward to chapter 14 when we come back to this matter of the harvest. I hope you can be with us then when we really explore the harvest. But in the way of a teaser, I guess, or an appetizer, could you say just a brief word about it now? This brief word will, in effect, be a kind of summary of what I've been trying to say. In Revelation 14, we have a crop on the earth. And the most precious part of this crop is the first fruits. In the Old Testament, the first fruits of the harvest were brought into the house of God and waved before God, symbolizing resurrection. So these overcoming believers who have overcome all the obstacles to their maturing and ripening, they will be the first fruits. They will be taken before the great tribulation. Those who have not pursued the growth in life, who have been distracted by other things, including their Christian works or whatever, and simply haven't matured, they will be left for at least the major part of the great tribulation. Then the same one who raptured the first fruits will gather the whole crop and bring all the believers into his presence. This is what we will see in Revelation 14. You know, people are really interested in these verses. And there are a lot of interpretations out there about the end time events. But I think we can say, uh, in all sincerity, that the understanding conveyed through the ministry of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee strikes a real response of truth in many, many dear believers. If you listening count yourself in this category, please call us and let us know that. Or call us with your questions. We'd love to hear those too. Our number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or you can send email to radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. 
For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.